Welcome to the SciComm Toolkit Podcast. This is the show for scientists and science communicators to gain all the skills and tools that they need to bring their science stories to life. I am Soph, I am a science communicator and digital content creator, and also your host for the show. Now for anyone that doesn't know, Back when I was doing my PhD, my first foray into science communication was blogging. It started off with the more traditional and diary style types of blog posts like A Day in the Life of, and then I slowly started to mix in other pieces I'd written about certain science topics, or I think I even shared essays that I'd written as part of my undergrad degree, so probably not the right things to share, but anyway. It evolved then to show more about PhD life and advice and tips I would share and now the same for my career in science communication and more. But my little blog ended up winning the UK Blog Awards back in 2018 which was something I could never ever ever have dreamed of when I hit publish that very first time and maybe got 10 views if I was lucky, most of which I think came from my family. But since then I've tried out many other types of science communication and hopefully added a few more strings to my bow, but science blogging is something I always gravitate back to. It is one of the best ways to do science communication in my humble opinion. And it is why I really would love to get more scientists click-clacking away on their keyboards and putting blogs out there into the world. Science blogging is not like the images of lifestyle, travel, parenting or food bloggers that might immediately spring to mind when I say the word blog. Don't get me wrong, there is loads and loads that we can learn and take away from those genres and bring to science blogging. But science blogs are ways to share science and give it more context. They are a way to humanise science more in a way. Science blogs play such an important role for science and scientists themselves. So in today's episode I just wanted to share three big picture reasons why scientists and science communicators should be science blogging. I really hope it will convince you or at least just give you a little food for thought before I start sharing more about the hows of blogging in future episodes because as I've already said it's something that really means a lot to me and I'm really passionate about but for today we are just going to start with the wise. There are so many reasons I could give you here for why science blogging could be really good for you personally, but for your career as well. But I'm just going to keep it to three, they're big picture ones, just to keep it kind of simple, top level for this episode. So the first reason is to share and communicate your research beyond publications and manuscripts, which you might think is a little bit obvious, but it's true. Science, like art, needs to be shared. And there are so many times I just sit here thinking about how much information is 
locked up in theses or publications just on library shelves or in these digital virtual spaces and we're not telling the world about them all those experiments that didn't work that haven't shown anything new but are still so so valuable that haven't been published or peer-reviewed or anything like that those stories are still so important to tell and as scientists we all want our work to reach impact or help someone that could be anyone from another scientist using the same technique as you to patient groups perhaps not all publications are going to get media coverage I've learned that the hard way through my job but also particularly this last 18 months when everything has quite rightly been covering coronavirus so much And yes, you can tweet about your latest paper, which will reach your followers. You might get some retweets to increase that reach further. And then you might even get some clicks through to the actual paper, some people reading it, some people bookmarking it maybe. But 24 hours later, your tweet just disappears into the mysterious fog of previous tweets, which can make it quite tricky for anyone to find it again at a later date. And this is where blogs come in. They allow you to tell the story of your publication, the ups and downs, the triumphs and the challenges. They give you the opportunity to share your findings in an accessible way and in a way where you have control over what is said. So nothing is sensationalized and so on. And it can be shared in a way where you can really highlight why it matters and why someone should care. That information might be in your publication but repackaging it in this way will get so many more eyes on what you have done and in a way that more people can find because blogs are more searchable than social media. Blogs are a great way for you to take control of your online presence. It is why they are better than having a social media profile, although that is really important right now too and they are another reason why you should have a website which could be your blog all points that we can dissect much much further in future episodes but I just want you to remember that they are a way that you can take control of what is said about you and your research online. The next reason that blogging is something you should consider is to build your authority. They are like your positioning statement and what you want to be known for. Your science blog isn't just for writing about your latest manuscripts. You can comment on the latest developments in the field. You can correct misinformation about a topic. You can advocate for a cause or action that you're passionate about. You can get more people talking about a specific topic or issue. You can add value by bringing to light topics that aren't talked about enough. Someone who has carved a spot for themselves and done this so incredibly well is Professor Paul Knopfler, a stem cell biologist in the US. His blog, ipsl.com, covers all the news and breakthroughs in the stem cell field and it is why people will search for what he is saying either on twitter or through his blog about recent developments because he has crafted and carved out that niche for himself and positioned himself as an expert 
when it comes to building an authority and as a result a network I think it is also important to share here who might be reading your blog this will obviously depend on the goals of your specific science blog but it will be read by colleagues, potential collaborators, and also potential lab mates and students who might want to join your lab. Not only could your blog give them a sense of your research, as we have discussed, but you can use this platform to share more about what working with you and in your team would be like. You can write posts about lab retreats, conferences, hell even give your current team members a chance to write something on your blog too. All of this can also show potential and future colleagues how they can develop and grow by working with you and what they can learn beyond just the science. All of this applies if you are a science communicator too. Let people know what topics are your speciality, what types of science communication you do and how you can help or what you offer to others. You can also share your stances on things and so on and so on. It's also a great way that anyone who might be thinking of hiring you or collaborating with you can get a sense of what you like to work with but also get to know you more beyond just a contract of work to carry out. So not only can you use science blogging to put your science on the map, but you can use it to put yourself on the map too. Um, Building on that for my third big picture reason today why you should start science blogging is all about careers, ambitions and skills. Learning to write about your science that isn't the traditional academic way is a skill. It's one you have to practice, practice and practice and blogging gives you that opportunity. It allows you the chance to add you back into the writing and share your experiences, develop your own voice, develop your own style. These skills are so important, not only if you want to explore careers away from the lab bench and academia, but if you want to stay too. I guess that is the whole reason I have even created this podcast and it is a theme that will probably be part of everything I will ever share as part of this toolkit. But when it comes to transferable skills, there is nothing better than having actual proof that you can point people towards to show that you can do it and a blog is just one way that you can do that and then thinking beyond the skills you might have career ambitions to do a TED talk or you want to write a book you might want to build a community for academics about mental health or you might dream of being invited to be a keynote speaker at conferences about whatever topics you are passionate about. Having a blog where you share opinions and roundups of news and topics and being a go-to source for something is going to get you noticed and help you take that next step to reach those ambitions and goals. I got my TEDx talk because they saw my blog. I think nearly every email I get with a request is because they found my blog 
about whatever topic it was and now they want me to speak about doing science communication or my career path or stem cells or whatever it might be. Blogging is such a powerful tool for you, your science and your career. Now I know you might be thinking that it's another thing you have to add to your to-do list or you might be worried about where you'll find the time to do that on top of all your other commitments but these are things that I want to help with and cover in future episodes as we talk more about the hows of blogging some more. Yes, blogging will be an investment and a commitment, but the rewards are so, so worth it. And I can say that from experience. Welcome back to the self-assembly arena, aka the DIY section of the podcast. This is the part where I share a resource or an activity, a tool that you can do right now to help you improve your science communication skills. Now, as much as I would love it if this has convinced you to go start a blog, I am not expecting you all to rush and go and sign up straight away. A blog is a time investment, so I know you will want some time to think about it. So for today's DIY section, I am not going to go ask you to sign up and just write a blog draft or publish something. I'm not going to ask you to do any of that. Instead, I want you to get yourself 10 post-it notes or 10 small pieces of paper or even just one big piece of paper that you can make a list on, whatever takes your fancy. I want you to take that first sticky note and write down why you would want to blog. What would be your motivations if you decided to start your own? Or indeed, if you just wanted to try it out and started writing something for your organization's blog or a friend's blog. Then with the other nine sticky notes or pieces of paper, I want you to write down a blog post idea on each of them. I want you to do this because I want you to start thinking about the potential of blogging and why you should be blogging. What would be the benefits for you? I want you to do this because I get told so often that, oh, I really want to start a science blog, but I just don't know what to write about. Or, yeah, I really want to start a science blog, but I know I'll run out of ideas really quickly. I guarantee that you will surprise yourself by how quickly you will fill those nine sticky notes. And if you have more ideas, make a note of them right then too. And of course, your first post-it note, the one with your motivations, your why on it, use that to help focus and guide you. And maybe use it to make you think something like, okay, I want to gain the skills to write a book about stem cells. Here are nine things that I can write as blog posts right now to get me started. I really hope that this exercise will add more fuel to your fire and want to start blogging, but at least I hope it gets you thinking about what could be and why it could be so good for your career. If you have 
any questions, and I mean any question at all about science blogging, please do get in touch. You can get in touch through my website or find me on social media. I'm at sof.talks.science on Instagram. If you want to, please take a snap of your post-its or bits of paper, your list, and share it on social media and tag the podcast in it. We are at SciComTalkIt. And we would love to see what you came up with and support you further with your blogging endeavours. As always, links to everything mentioned in today's episode and a transcript can be found on my website. That's sofetalkscience.com forward slash toolkit. You can find everything you need there for every episode of the toolkit so far. And it will continue to be there for every episode of the toolkit in future. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please take a minute or two to subscribe or leave a little review so you don't miss out on future episodes and so others can find us too. So until next time, keep thinking about why science blogging is amazing and I'll be back very soon with more science communication top tips from me and other fantastic science communicators. Bye.